0: The night is dark. Rain pelts down outside the most gothic city you've ever seen. In the cold, darkly lit police station, a staticky radio plays Elvis's hound dog. The chief of police walks walks down the hall of the station towards Detective Kardashian's office. Kardashian had been in the city for three months now and had already caused a huge stir in the station and the Mahoney case.
1: Chief. "'Kardashian, have you finished that report yet?' the chief yelled.
0: (laughs) "'You're worse than my ex-wife, but at least you're prettier.'"
1: "'Damn it, Kardashian, this is why nobody wants you in their district. "'If you weren't such a talented, stoic, and sick-ass detective, "'I would have you out of here faster than the Mets winning their Super Bowl.'"
0: "'Chief, let me ask you a question. "'Do you ever get sick of the sound of your own damn voice?' Because I need to be perfectly honest with you. I'm semi-getting sick of it. And you're annoying me. Why are you a... A police officer suddenly burst through the door. Chief, Detective K was right. There's been another murder. And they found the body in the same public park.
1: Damn it, Kardashian. How the hell did you know when and where a new body would show up? call it a hunch or call it
0: damn blind luck but just don't call me late for dinner
1: I am way too old to be keeping up with the Kardashians scene
0: welcome to meet you everybody I hope you're all doing well Dart here
1: hi there I'm Robbie pleasure to have your company that was Kim Kardashian episode two for those that aren't in the know uh it was inspired by uh little sad scene that happened in Dart's life, and uh, but you know what, he's creative, he's getting creative with it, and he's bringing joy to many more than those little sort of pipsqueaks that caused you pain.
0: That's right, that's right, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm going to show the world that I'm, just because I'm fat doesn't mean I don't have value, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Oh, I wanted to, just before we get, get into anything, I just wanted to say,
1: I'm Baby Yoda, go, 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 go!
0: <laughs> How are you, Robbie?
1: Yeah, doing all right. Doing okay. Uh, got a coffee here. Had a nice halloumi roll. What about you?
0: Halloumi roll?
1: Yeah, swap out the bacon for the halloumi. It's quite nice.
0: Yeah, that's lovely. You know I've gone off bacon.
1: I have too. I actually have. Tell me tell me more about your decision, yeah.
0: Uh, I legitimately have always enjoyed bacon, um, but now whether... When I go to a cafe or I have it at home, the oily nature of bacon, a real fatty, oily taste, I'll eat it and it starts making me feel nauseous and then I just keep thinking about it and I want to throw up. It's the cl- I, every t- I reckon the last five times I've eaten it, I've nearly thrown up.
1: I think it's probably for the best, you know, like I, I, I reckon um, it, it kind of gives me an off feeling as well. Uh, I get weird, like I get pork dreams. Have you ever had those?
0: <laughs> no, I've never had a pork dream
1: Pork's quite a nice It's quite a decadent meat But it is nice occasionally is. Even actually though having said that Bacon's very common But um, yeah if I have a bit too much pork Like I'll have these sort of Yeah really full on uh, Like slaughter yeah. Like pig slaughter <laughs> dreams That just really leave, leave me reeling and shaking And I, I've, I've taken it as a bit of a sign And I'm just going to sort of leave as To the best of my ability Unless it's on a nice pizza or something, I'm going to avoid um, avoid it. <laughs>
0: uh, it, it. So you're dr- you're dreaming of the pigs being slaughtered.
1: Yeah, it's like I'm on the killing floor, just like you know. I think that yeah. It, anyway, it's it's just it, it's sickening and sad. That
0: is crazy. I've never heard of that happening. Yeah, that's saddening, sickening. Yeah,
1: let us know. Have you ever experienced a, a pork dream? Let us know. Wtmypod at gmail dot com.
0: Yeah. Uh- Poultry dream
1: anything yeah fish dreams sushi dreams fish dream yeah. <laughs> um hey rip Olivia Newton John we incidentally yeah, spoke rip. about Greece last episode and uh what an amazing performance she gave and the you know the amazing but um yeah what a what a sad thing did that did how did that news hit you
0: yeah it it was kind of uh, it was shocking and it was sad I think it went a fixture of like your world uh whether they meant a lot to you or not passes away it's always like a bit confronting um she always seemed to me like the least offensive person ever like just a completely inoffensive person just an all-around pleasant human and um she seemed like The definitive uh, mum's friend She seemed like someone that your mum would be friends with Yeah,
1: but really talented as well Yeah,
0: really (laughs) talented, really put together mum's friend Yeah, yeah
1: I really want to draw people's attention to her performance in the song Magic I think it's off the Xanadu soundtrack with uh, ELO But I also wanted to touch base with you on The Rehearsal, Nathan Fielder's new show, The Rehearsal. You know, obviously, everybody's talking about it. We're up to episode four right now. And spoiler alert, you know, I'm going to mention a few things that have happened in it. So if you want to skip this, that's absolutely fine. But I think I've been floored by it. I've spoken to a few people about this. Um, Your thoughts, your feelings.
0: Oh, it's just a masterpiece. Like, it's a completely inspired masterpiece, in my opinion. I just, um, every episode, I'm shocked. Like, he set the premise up in the first episode, and he gives you one episode to get used to the premise before he takes you out of the comfort zone set in the first episode. Cause I just thought it would be new scenarios every time, right?
1: I know. Well, this but is the amazing ma- thing. He's taken
0: it in this, it's incredible, this meta fucking insane way. Like, it's just blowing my mind. Um, I also have a theory of something that I think's going on, but I'll give it to you in a sec. But what are you thinking so far?
1: I agree. You know, it's just incredible. I, I, I really think it's the perfect title, because I think it seems, so far at least, to be a show that kind of really does constantly skirt around actually making a show it's so perpetually yeah, non, yeah. non-committal <laughs> you know
0: that's so true yeah yeah
1: i just in general beyond any of the meta stuff whatever like i love considering the expense of everything and it really feels like it's yes. he's making a joke of hbo and i think being flippant it's with so coin,
0: excessive
1: being flippant with coin is just so it's just always good but you know back back to episode four i reckon this one i mean they're, they're all sort of interesting in their own unique ways but this one, for me, it felt like a really interesting exploration of celebrity and adoration, you know, really making quite a tangible point of showing that inevitable distance um, that you have from the ideal in the context of, like, you know, worship and idolatry in that sort of way. The popular fascination with exact replication that I've already mentioned, the show goes way deeper into that concept than we in, than we ever could have initially imagined, I think, you know.
0: It's incredible. and And, like... Some of just the throwaway moments, and I, I don't think I think it was like the quintessential moment of the episode, but when that teenager actor went down the slide and came out as a little kid and Nathan held his hand and walked away with him, it was touching in a way that it was like emotion I've never felt before. Not like profound sadness or anything, but like like my mouth It literally makes my mouth open How he's able to Like touch the heartstrings But be funny But almost like make a joke Out of oh, I can't even express it You know what I mean I, Did that bit hit you?
1: Yes it, Definitely It's like
0: this, a mixture of like Extreme sincerity But like extreme Extreme like um Parody But at the same time Like a really powerful
1: Well he keeps What he, what moment, he keeps doing just, You know you're right and I I, I, yeah. I see what you're saying Like for me, it all looks back to the non-committal nature of the show. It's all rehearsing for something that's never apparently appearing. It's like always setting up these rules and then just throwing them away. <laughs> it's what he keeps doing. Sets up a situation, rules, and then goes, No, no, I want to go back. I wanna, you know, no no. Going
0: deeper and deeper into the into the rehearsal. And when he when he started taking his own acting class as that guy I- and he was sitting with that wig on and he just looked so perfectly awkward and his legs are too close together when he's sitting down <laughs> like i was just screaming screaming and the just even down to and i think you would appreciate this even more than me down to the way he edits the episode like he he gets every little you can't look away from the screen because you'll miss something hilarious. Like I was sitting there with my partner and she looked at a text message on her phone and she missed the part when he was pretending to be the actor taking the class and he was leaving and he was like, yeah, so I'll see you tomorrow. And she kind of looks down at his clipboard and he's like, yeah, and then walks out. Like it was like this really bad interaction that he has that he's obviously included on purpose. But it was like a two second clip. It was so funny.
1: Also touching on the power imbalance and sort of the inherent... Oh, yeah. The inherent weirdness of people, um, you know, al- allowing themselves to be filmed in certain ways and whatever. Like, yeah. you know, touching on the that, but Fielder doing The Fielder method. Him, it's just, I've never seen anything like it, to be quite honest. Like, I, I really think he's doing, he's like the Andy Kaufman of our times in a way. But I also think that the Fielder method, I, I recently just randomly stumbled on this um video about bowie's plastic soul period in the middle 70s there's there's an opening sort of uh, bit of an interview from bowie in 73. i
0: find that i'm a, a person who um can um take on the guises of, of different people that i meet i can switch accents in, in seconds of meeting somebody and i can adopt their accent i've always found that i collect i'm a collector um and I've always just seemed to collect personalities, um, ideas. I
1: have a hodgepodge philosophy, which really is very minimal. Obviously, you know, that made me think of this show so deeply. And uh, it made me wonder, is Nathan the Bowie of comedy? Because it seems like that's kind of the thrust of much of his output is really essentially just making tangible a, a deep Replica, replica or something
0: Yeah for sure For sure And like I, I also What I really appreciate About it as well Just knowing like A real little bit About Nathan Fielder's Real life He was married During the time Of um, Of uh, uh, Nathan for you um, And now Like We haven't heard from him For a few years He's he's had a divorce oh, Is that throughout true Throughout this period Yes I don't know about that And Yeah Seeing And I don't know Anything about the divorce I don't know anything About what happened But You know, he's touching on this, like, with his age and everything, that he doesn't have children, and he's touching on this arc of this rehearsal with this batshit crazy lady. I could go on forever, so I won't even go into it, about having a child with her and him not being present because he has to do all these other rehearsals and him coming back and having the aged mirror and all this kind of stuff. I can't help but just really appreciate the fact that I do think he is – Andy Kaufmaning in the way that he's making, he's kind of finding the tragedy and the unique humour in like what he's experienced in the collapse of his home life. Like he has, it has to be inspired by that. I, I feel. I
1: I, I think he might be onto something there, and I really think it's amazing in the context of a social media saturated age in which everybody is a celebrity, right? So everybody is making narrative of their personal situation. Yeah. And so for him to do that in a novel, exciting and funny and philosophically intriguing way like this is just like I, I'm I'm flawed, you know. I really am flawed by it. Same.
0: It's a privilege to be able to watch it. But you, tell us um, tell us what you guys are thinking of it. Like hit us in the DMs or wtmypod at gmail.com. I hope you are all watching the rehearsal because it's. uh I think we'll be continuing to talk about it until we finish. What so are you going to go to the cops? And no, tell them?
1: that's why I'm talking to you about it now. Adam, I'm not a snitch. You're a fucking disaster, my guy. All right. But that's not the only thing we've seen recently. Hey, Dart, we. Uh, I sort of compelled you to go and see Baz Luhrmann's new one, Elvis. Oh. Uh, um uh, How many hours do you want? This film is,
0: um, okay, it is the most a movie has ever been that I've seen. It is the most-
1: That's an interesting line.
0: A movie is. Like, it is It is so, I don't, it's so full. This movie is batshit. It is a batshit crazy movie. I felt like I was going to have a fucking panic attack watching this movie. It, it's cut like a trailer, you know what I mean?
1: It is. It's
0: unrelenting. Unrelenting this film.
1: It's unrelenting. I agree with everything you just said. Um to be clear, I'm not a baz head. You know, like I I I No, neither. I like Strictly Ballroom. I've seen Gatsby. I've seen Romeo and Juliet in school, but you know, like, I haven't revisited any of these, I haven't seen Australia, I haven't seen no. whatever, you know. Neither. So
0: we're in the same boat.
1: I think it's the best from him that I've seen. For me, it was a really great blend of that swirling bombast that made you feel a bit sick but also there's that care for the heart as well i think also for me i'm not an elvis scholar in any way but it is a novel angle for me for an elvis story through the lens of that you know parasitic management the other thing i do want to mention is that i think it's really interesting for this movie to appear after walk hard the dewey cox story you know that um John C. Riley, the definitive biopic parody. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend it. I think it's really funny. I think it holds up. Get out of here, Dewey.
0: What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer, and you don't want no part of this shit. You're smoking reefers? Yeah, of course we are. Can't you smell it? No, Sam. I can't.
1: Come on, Dewey. Join the party.
0: No, Dewey. You don't want this. Get out of here. You know what? I don't want no hangover. I can't get no hangover. It doesn't give you a hangover. Well, I get addicted to it or something? It's not habit-forming. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. I don't want to overdose on it. You can't OD on it. It's not going to make me want to have sex, is it? It makes sex even better. Sounds kind of expensive. It's the cheapest drug there is. Hmm. You don't want it. I think I kind of want it. Okay, but just this once. Come on in.
1: I actually haven't seen you actually, it. It's okay, I, I recommend you see that. But regardless of whether you've seen that or not, we all know the cliches of the biopic genre. It's like, you know, so well worn. Yes. Um, so for this to kind of push forward nicely with something, you know, over the top of that steaming pile of biopic cliches is, is, is pretty something, you know?
0: Yeah, it, that's really interesting, that review, because I, I I think I like really disagree with you and I'll explain why. What I, what I'll say, first of all, is this movie, I, I definitely liked it um, and I, I would say in some ways it was the best musical biopic I've ever seen in, in some aspects and in some ways it was some of the worst things I've seen on film Um I think it was a film of tremendous highs and tremendous lows. And I don't think that's a, that's something that you see often to get the highs out of the way. Cause it's probably not as interesting. The way it was cut was it did make you feel like the whirlwind of what it must've been like to be Elvis through this. It was, it just felt like a really inspired, uh, he wanted to include so much. It was, it felt like nothing I'd seen before. And ultimately the most biggest praise for it I can give is the music. Like the way it sounded in the theatre, the way that um, the actor that played Elvis, I forget his name. Oh, Austin
1: Butler. Didn't he do well? I really think he was oh, he incredible. was
0: amazing. And the, the, his charisma on stage and this, and the way it was cut together and, and the beats he would hit when the music would hit, it was it's making me want to go watch it again because I fucking loved it, man. The music was off its head. Don't you reckon? I rolled
1: up. Like the bottom of a toothpaste, do Loose weight, shoes, one missing the shoelace to it. Two new chains, you can call me two chains, rope saying the like goose new. Yeah, they let the fruit cake loose And it goes One for the trailer part two for my baby mom Three for the tater top, four. If you ate a lot, five. If you came to ride straight up while I'm shooting on my comp. I'm about to use the John like Grey Money like a scroll, my paper long
0: longer than My biggest issues though come with Basically what I think the extreme lows were was Tom Hanks and that, and that manager character. That was like, hard to take. What, like, what was he doing, man? Like, it <laughs> just like the dumbest casting, the worst. Really? And like, yeah, like man, this, and I knew it straight from the start. Like, it's like, um, it was like you killed Elvis, you killed Elvis, and it's cut together like this fever dream. And then he wakes up in hospital, the manager, and he's like, "I did not kill Elvis." And then he gets out and he's like, "But I'll tell you what happened." And then it's like we'll never know the truth in a headline. And then he's like walking in a casino and he's like, "Want to bet?" And then he like throws dice on a fucking roulette table or something. And it's like, what? <laughs> it was cringy as fu- it was like made me want to gouge my eyes Okay, out. do you know what comes Every to mind? Time, yeah. Do you
1: know what came to mind yeah, with tell this? Me- and.
0: The Goblin King from Hobbit. That's what he was playing it like, but go on.
1: I am, I'm totally, I'm willing to grant you that, you know, completely like it. Okay,
0: cool. Cheers. That's not going
1: to be to everybody's taste that, that performance. Yeah. I kind of was, I allowed it to happen. You know, I'm not, I, I don't, I didn't love it, but I, I was, I allowed it to sort of be present. The two movies that sort of came to mind for me when I was watching this is, have you seen A Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey? Duppence is duppence. The CGI of um, Tom Hanks' face. And the sort of, you know, it, it's a very caricatured sort of performance, you know. It's quite cartoonish, how he sort of plays it. And also Natural Born Killers, that early 90s yes, Woody Harrelson movie, which yep. is... I think we yep, bought, we, we talked about it a little bit before and neither... Of, we started the movie to like independently and neither of us have finished it yet. We found it too schizzo. So. Robbie
0: and I... Both turned it off. I don't know if you watched it with your partner, but, like, I was watching it with my partner and she was like, oh, and I was like, yeah, I'm not loving this, and I turned it off. So, yes. And then, like, ultimately I think what where we disagree is I, I do believe this biopic hit some of the really... Boring and tired beats and tropes of the music biopic, and I think I think this manager relationship is one of the the least interesting things about the Elvis story. I, I think it has been explored time and time again. The idea of the dreamer artist and the business, the savvy businessman taking control of them and taking advantage and and putting them in a trap and and causing ultimately.
1: I'm caught to their in a trap. Have you seen Have you you seen Well have you seen Like I didn't know about his management in this way Did you?
0: No neither did I No neither But I've seen I've seen I think nearly every music biopic I've seen Has been there's been this like you know the Beatles and it's like oh this manager and he always had his claws in and the wife man. that leaves yeah, you
1: because of your addiction and the wife and, yeah, that yeah, leaves yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah
0: yeah and then the girls that come and go like it, it's I know it's I know Elvis- it's but it's
1: hard to like you can't get away from that like in a way that just is the reality of the story you know but I think I don't know I guess personally. I think it, w- it was able to sort of navigate an interesting arc, even through those, like, cliche moments. I, I, they still sort of had a bit of a weight to me, even though I recognise, yeah, it's like we all know the pills thing and uh, we, we all know sort of the main beats of this guy's life. But, there was um- some
0: weight to it. And, and, and I, I I think, like, I just- I think the film is so inspired and I can tell that Baz is, like, obsessed with Elvis and and that's awesome, like, you know, that-, that- fuck yeah who better to make the film as someone who like you can see his feelings on screen by the by the excess of it all but i just think like you know elvis was such a sex symbol and elvis and the there's so to me other than him being taken advantage of from uh, by his manager something that is i would really like to know more about would be was how his him and his wife's relationship when like he was basically the sex symbol of america and that's not explored at all. She's like, I don't care about the other women. And it's like, well, I doubt that. I doubt that the wife didn't care about the other women. It Wouldn't that be an interesting thing to, like, touch on? And then, like, the relationship with the black musicians in his life and how he, he went on. And, and I know that they were characters, but they were essentially, like, quiet supporters of him carrying the flame of their music and making it popular and i can't help but feel like it would have been more complex than that and like i feel like other than maybe focus on the the manager stuff because i didn't know about it but maybe flesh out some of those other more
1: unique then you're going to have a five hour movie i think like this is i i don't think it's fair to level these sorts of ideas on a on a, on a particular angle for a story, you know, like he's- but We
0: had so much Tom Hanks, man. It was so bad.
1: <laughs> Look, I think- <laughs>
0: And tropy.
1: One of the most loved and known about lives of our age easily, right? So, to capture that in a two-hour pick uh, with an interesting novel angle when everything's been done is pretty- I don't know. I think it's quite a gigantuan- like a uh, task that's on the table, and I, I personally think that it, it was done with a great deal of uh, care and uh, thought. Our
0: In terms of Baz always does this thing where he, he takes the contemporary and mixes it with the, with the old, and there was this awesome scene where uh, one of Elvis's songs, I forget which one it was, was mixed with um, Toxic by Britney yeah, Spears. Yeah,
1: that was cool, eh? And yeah. They're all
0: living, the devil care. and I'm just a devil with no spare, so be was walking down the tour bus and it was shot in the same way that the toxic film clip from Britney um and it's which is such an interesting statement given what we know about Britney Spears's life especially now with the cont- controversy or whatever oh my the hell God, is going good point. on yeah right and the way that she's been completely like um taken under the wing and bastardized uh, and, and, and like controlled and de-sexed by fame and seeing, like, it was just an awesome inspired bit of filmmaking uh, seeing that scene and uh, just a really good – you don't see that often well done, do you, uh, where they where they make the old the new and the new the old, and it usually comes off a bit on the nose.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right about that one for sure. Yeah, that, that's that's great. Um, one question, the last question I have for you about it is, do you think it did a good enough job of referencing the early drug use and the initial age gap with Priscilla?
0: Oh, no, not at all. No, I didn't know there was an age gap. Was there?
1: Yes, she was, I think, 14 when they got together and he was like in his early 20s.
0: Oh, oh my gosh, no. Well, you know, it has that
1: bit where like she's in her like, you know, childhood bedroom, right? And he's sort of coming from, you know, being- Yeah, that was a
0: confusing scene.
1: But so I think in that sense, it was like referencing that and that was fairly uncomfortable to see for me. That seems to be like John Lennon being a wife beater and things like this. For Elvis, that seems to be kind of like the, uh, one of the looming- Sort of like uh, shadows of his character is like yeah he he sort of did have this this thing happen that was a little bit sort of uh, highly questionable or in fact uh, dead wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I'm always really really fascinated by. And I guess it, like, comes to a lot with, like, my questions about, like, love in general. I'm always really fascinated, especially by someone like Elvis, someone who is a sex symbol, someone who effectively could have any woman in the world type thing, what the difference is when they do decide to marry and have a child with someone. And it's I'm not saying that, like, oh, the fact that I can't have every woman in the world is the reason why I have a partner. So I, I, maybe it's a dumb question, actually. I suppose you just meet that special someone and that's that. But I feel like it would be such a difficult and weird thing to reckon with as as this sex symbol as this celebrity don't you think surely right now, oh, oh, yeah. thank you good night
1: do go and see it in the cinema, I think. I reckon it's a cinema-worthy movie.
0: Oh, see it in the cinema. See it in the cinema. Like, if you watch it on a plane or something, I, I would say it's, like, unwatchable on a plane. Give us your thoughts. It's, a, it's one to see, I would say. And ultimately, yeah, cool movie.
1: Cool, cool movie. Great performances. Amazing uh, costuming as well. And just the styling was, yeah, wow, huge ups for that. All right, Love, hey. What are you loving this week, mate?
0: Well, first of all, are we doing Who Ugly? Because I've got one. You don't have to do one.
1: Let's do Who Ugly this week, and then I think next week let's try out who, who Beautiful.
0: Okay, all right, all right. My Who Ugly for this week, and again, no pressure for you to do it, but i I got to get this one's on my heart, um, Demi Lovato. Um, I think she's got a dumb square head. Uh, I think she's dumb. She annoys me. Uh, Demi Lovato is mine. Who's yours?
1: <laughs> I don't have one this week, unfortunately.
0: Okay, that's fine, that's fine
1: uh okay so love um this week i'm loving high res digital uh music i've uh, i've gone full circle dart i've I started with the 320 mp3s i've gone to the vinyl gone to the cd now within the space of a couple of weeks i'm into the high res especially with these new headphones that i've got you know the 24 bit the 96k the 192k i believe it is with the 24 bit me oh my uh it sounds uh sounds excellent and um
0: and you're downloading these files.
1: I download these files. CDs have the 441, the uh, 16 bit, and uh, which is not bad by any stretch of the imagination. i would you know gladly listen. But uh, if you wanna if you wanna go full audio file, idiot, um, you can uh, chuck the HD600s on and get that bit rate cranked and see what happens. You know.
0: Shit yeah, love it. You were on a journey, my friend. On a bit of
1: a journey. Uh, so that, that's that's what I'm loving this week. What about you?
0: I am loving this week, and uh, you're going to be angry at me. Uh-huh. Um, but I've been recommended <coughs> a TV show. It's been one of the most recommended shows to me ever, and that TV show is The Boys.
1: Oh, God.
0: Okay. Uh, it's superheroes. I'm not interested in superheroes. I've, I've knocked it. I've been recommended it for maybe over two oh, years. And just like, oh, oh.
1: I'm I, aren't we and done then- with this stuff <laughs> since fucking Heroes? What, why is <laughs> This is crazy to
0: me.
1: Is this just? Is this? Just, I, look, to be honest, I haven't seen a single episode. But can I just wonder? Can I just wonder to you? Is this just a Tarantino-made heroes show? Is that? Is that essentially sort of what the vibe is, generally speaking?
0: Yeah, kind, kind it's like, of. Oh, it's
1: like Suicide Squad, but a TV show.
0: Yeah, kind of like we put, I put it on because we were kind of like at a lost what to watch. And especially my sh- strain community, shout out to the clam gang. They were, um, they were like, you should watch it. And the thing that people would say to me, and this put me more offside, they were like, no, it's a different look at superheroes. It's a different way. And I was like, Oh, it's, that's so boring. Like I can imagine what they do with it, but you know what? Like, I was humbled. Like I watched it, and I was completely entertained. It was funny. It was really like dark in a way that I was not expecting. It was really brutal in a way I was not expecting. And I really think it's a fucking high quality show. So my love is the boys. All right,
1: whatever. I, I, I really right. I, I have to call to mind something that Robert Eggers. You know, Robert Eggers, the director of The Witch, The Lighthouse, um, and The Viking. What's that one called?
0: Fantastic dire- uh, director, The Northman. The Northman. No.
1: he said in an interview that I thought was really interesting, he was talking about, look, you know, obviously he was looking into Norse mythology and all that sort of stuff for the North man. He finds an interesting correlation in our current fascination with superheroes to be somewhat relevant to the myths of old and the um, fascination with the the gods and the demigods and whatever of, 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 of that sort of age and, and beforehand. And I think he made a really interesting point that, Our age is not capable of the vulnerability to accept true faith, really, I suppose, um, and attempt to find that kind of awe in this secular admiration of superheroes.
0: It is interesting, isn't it? Because I've been thinking about that kind of stuff as well. And if we were, like, truly the logical, cynical people that we all think we are, we wouldn't give a fuck about superhero movies. Like, the imagination is... is taken captive and runs wild and I really do believe there is a level of belief and I'm not saying it's on a a plane of like oh I logically believe I could fly I logically believe this but a level of like belief in ascension of being more than what we are and it's very interesting I don't think people really reckon with that that I think it's the same with people who read uh, play video games well everyone who takes in entertainment like I don't think they reckon with how much there is a level of belief in the supernatural that has to be present to enjoy that kind of stuff.
1: But it's to a lesser extent because it's so neatly packaged in this frivolous category. This is the point, I think. Uh, and when something that I'm struggling to reckon with is that, you know.
0: The capitalization of it.
1: The triviality. Even though it's loved and beloved and all these sorts of things, I think it's the triviality and the secular nature of the fascination with these sorts of like characters and phenomenon. In the past, it was you know they were stories and they 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 guided a people, but I think there was that sort of surrender. Um, but but you know the answer the the answer is not so simple. You know like it's not it's not just as simple as saying well just fucking dumb yourself down and go with it, bro. It, that, obviously that doesn't work. Well, actually, Norm Macdonald has a fascinating thing about faith. You know he sort of says. It is a choice. You know, faith is a choice. Um, That's something that people don't often mention is the nature of it having to be chosen. But anyway, this is a whole other thing. We could talk
0: about that forever. It's very interesting. I'm I'm interested in it too. Maybe we could explore it more um, further. But yeah, no, I, I, yeah.
1: Very quickly, my hate this week is no noise neighbours. This isn't a bizarre hate because obviously usually you'd say you, you hate them to be noisy, but... There's a particular couple that lives um, in one of these apartments and I only ever see them leaving the house wearing noise-canceling headphones. They (laughs) never greet or smile unless cornered. And I never hear any noise or laughter from their house at all. So it's a couple. (laughs) Presumably they love each other. They've been living there for a few months. And it just kind of does two things to me quite particularly that – Really, sort of irks me. One, it sort of just makes me pretty sad in a general way. Of thought, like, is this where we are, where you know we can't leave the house without canceling out the world, you know, to our own little algorithm bubble? And the other one is that it gives me a really weird and perverse pleasure um, at innocently cornering them when I do run into oh them my and gosh. and make that's so fun and making them say hello. Like, and this is true. You know, I do. I go hey mate like I'm always the first to go you know I I make a real great point of saying, hey mate how you going like hello you know but but it's it's all nice it's all nice but I do get a lot of pleasure at making them squirm and I know that's weird and fast but I in some in some perverse way it makes me feel like a god like a demigod to be like guess what the real world's here guess what I'm real right here in front of you
0: Hey, it's me, you can't cancel me. Hey, it's
1: me, you can't cancel me. I'm being polite. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
0: existing within the norms.
1: I'm feeling very vulnerable saying this stuff. Because it obviously paints me as a bit of a fucking freak, but I Do you reckon that do you reckon you'd be sort of forced into a similar-ish energy if you if you had something like that in your life?
0: For some reason, yes. For some reason, your description, I'm getting like vicarious pleasure from you doing that. Like, yeah, I've kind of like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm in, the, but I'm the same.
1: Yeah. I to be clear, <laughs> I, I never know. make them. Like, I, I never want to make them like un. I'm only doing the polite thing. You know, it's it's literally it's a smile. It's a hello. how's your day? It's never like, what are your regrets or you know anything like that? It's yeah um, yeah
0: yeah yeah. It's like the way I seem to, and we've talked about this before, like if I'm around a group of people and I can tell they're particularly prudish or particularly reserved, it makes me want to act out more. It makes me want to flex more on like being comfortable with myself, but that in itself shows an insecurity because like why would I care? It's the mirror. It just is
1: the mirror, isn't it?
0: (laughs) It is. My hate for this week is quickly uh, bad customer service. Um, We were at JB Hi-Fi. My partner wanted to get a, a funny you would say, my partner wanted to get a pair of noise-canceling headphones. And we're at JB Hi-Fi, middle of the day, huge mega store. No one's there. Staff everywhere. We could not get any cunt to help us. And it annoyed me. I had to ask three times. And the chick at the front was like, yeah, I've called someone. They're not coming over. This guy eventually comes over and he's like, what can I help you with? Like, oh, like, oh, you know. And it's just, like, I've got a few questions, if that's all right. And then, like, we're asking the questions. He's, like, semi-helpful. You want to do your own thing. You're busy and, like, you don't want to deal with shitty customers. But, like, I've got some, a few legitimate questions here about your stock. And then, like, and then he's, like, oh, yeah, the one the one that my partner wanted. Yeah, yeah, we've got that one. But um, I'll have to check out back, actually, because I don't know if we, we have it. But the other store... Um, Across the road in High Point has it So you can, I'll call them And make make sure that they have it if we don't have it here I'm like all right, thanks, then he comes back And the guy's been on his phone the whole time He's had his phone in his hand, and he comes back and he's like Yeah we don't have it here, but they'll probably Have it uh, over the road at High Point And he's like, "Um, I don't have my phone On me so I can't call them to check So do you mind just going over there, and we were like Oh yeah I guess, and we just like Went to the good guys that was closer and like Bought it there, but I just wanted to be like fuck man Like, I don't know Help us out just a little bit, like you know, fucking do your job.
1: Yeah, it's it's a tough one there because in a way, the hatred should go beyond that immediate casual staff member. You know, it's it's really it's like the Qantas thing. It's a yeah. um, it's a grander structural issue, I think, than just a, a staff member not not caring. It's like, well, they're not paid enough to care, I think, really. And but but you no, know, no, it's a good point. No, but but also like. I grant you for sure like that's so frustrating. I mean I was in, I was in Chemist warehouse the other day and I've never been so close to violence in m- m- recent memory. <laughs> what happened? Well just it's such a chaotic insane inducing place. I
0: Chemist warehouse the aisles are st- they're packed.
1: You can't the work out any where anything is.
0: No, there's no rhyme or reason to the fucking aisle. There's
1: always so many bumbling fools, just not sure what they I mean, nobody knows. Nobody knows what is going on in there. The music <laughs> is interminably crazy-inducing. And it's the just, ads?
0: There's ads everywhere. There's, there's ads. ads You're on the in the shelf.
1: store. I'm already here. I don't need <laughs> ads about the store. I'm here. You've got me, you know?
0: <laughs> and I'm lost as fuck.
1: I was also there, like, on the back of being fucked over at, like, I, we got crashed into recently, and so I've been dealing with mechanics yes, and things like this, yes. and they gave us back our car. Still problems. I can't go into this right now. I've, we've got to wrap up. But um, <laughs> So, just yeah. to give you some context of where I was at. I was at Chemist Warehouse trying to find some soap, which I couldn't find, knowing that my car is going to be more fucked up driving home because of, you know, anyway, <laughs> so it's just- Bad day, uh, bad day. Oh, so, bad yeah, day, bad customer bad service, day. absolutely agree with you. Hey, um, we've got to get out of here, Dart, but um, I did just want to have one last question for the audience, if that's okay with you. Of course. Um, the question this week, I thought maybe we could do this as a bit of a maybe recurring thing. Just, It's a segment called The Question, and we just put a question out to the audience and we see Ooh. what people have to say. This is the question this week, and it comes from a uh, good friend, Sophie. This is the question.
0: Shout out, Sophie
1: has there ever been a male singer as ugly as ed sheeran but as successful (laughs) please let us know at wtmypod at gmail.com or on the instagram or on the subreddit
0: dude is ugly as sin bung-eyed freak hey great to chat with you dad (laughs) yeah great to chat to you too robbie as always hope you're good piss cold thank you for joining for another episode